business of being a business is not simple nor easy. Often companies need professional, legal, real estate recruitment or educational services to help them do business. This podcast is for people who provide those services. It's about challenges they face, the support they need and what we can learn from their experiences. My name is Sarah Paul and this is Blazing Business Trails. And my name is Kovindahari. Together, along with industry experts, analysts and people from these business services sectors, we'll be looking at the key issues and trends for those within professional, legal, real estate recruitment or educational services and more. In today's episode, we'll be discussing trust. We all know how important it is, but how do you establish it? How do you grow it and how do you use it? So joining us today to discuss all of this are Marco Antrano, Head of Clients and Markets, PwC UK, and Richard Metcalf, Senior Regional Vice President, Business Services UK and Ireland, Salesforce. Welcome Marco and Richard to Blazing Business Trails. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, very good to be on. Thank you. Let me kick this off. So Marco, what most people would like to know from you is what does trust mean? At Salesforce, it's one of our values. How important is it to you and at PwC? Ultimately, trust today between two parties, two people, two organisations is is the basis of of some sort of progressive relationship. Um, What is trust based on is probably a more pertinent question um, because it doesn't just, you can't just assume trust. And actually, trust is built over time uh, and built based on two two fundamental things. Um, One is capability, particularly in business, uh, and capability is about competency and reliability. You know, are are these, uh, you know, it's the person that I'm doing business with or or engaging with in some some way, shape or form actually capable. And character, um, and character has sort of generally a couple of components to it. One, which is another well-known and somewhat misused word sometimes is integrity. Um, and then perhaps empathy, yeah, somebody's willingness to listen and understand uh, the other side, their needs, their desires, the opportunities. All of that underpins trust, which is why, as I say, when you say, what is what is trust? It's quite a tough question to answer simply. Yes, it is. I'm sorry. And does, it, does trust matter as well? Um, I'm wondering if that's a trick question. Yeah, of course it does. Um, of <laughs> yeah. course it does, because you know, the, the, there's there's perception and reality uh, at mix every day in, in our in, in our world, in society, and, and most definitely in business. Um, you know, sometimes the facts are are not necessarily what what people focus on. There's perception of what's going on when when facts are limited. Yeah. Uh, so of course, trust matters because. Uh, you want people to look to have a perception of you to make assumptions that are the ones that are that 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 underpin that progressive relationship of, of of again in business value creation perhaps more in society of of progression. So, Richard, is trust driven by leaders and leadership? Yes, absolutely. Uh, leaders and uh, those in leadership positions in organisations clearly have to. Uh, embody trust they have to represent trust they have to demonstrate trust they need to be beacons to their organization around trust Um, but I think that fundamentally trust is something that everybody in organization is a custodian of every element of an organization is a custodian of trust and um, and, and trust can be can be broken by 
any part of a, of an organisation, any constituent part. And I, I, I want I want to get a, a, a soundbite in that I heard the other day, which I think is fantastic from uh, from one of our leaders, which is um, trust arise on a snail but leaves on a racehorse. Two questions for you here. One, why are organisations not focusing on trust? And the second question, which would lead, I think, into further discussions on, on this on this podcast, is what does the landscape in business services look like? And do certain industries apply trust more than others? I'm not sure businesses aren't focusing on trust. Organisations aren't focusing on trust. I think they are. They, I mean, I, I don't come across anybody that doesn't believe trust is fundamental. I think some people... Uh, are more familiar than others or more clear than others on how you create it. You know, the one thing about this world and, and um, you know, the pandemic come, coming along has made us stop and think is everyone's in so much of a hurry. You know, we were in a, we were in a very fast world with everybody in a hurry, weren't we, with the sense that, you know, if you don't do something, get something today, you've missed out. You know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see on the recovery from... COVID-19, which which will, of course, take several years, not just economically, but practically. Um, we'll see whether we get back to that same world or whether we end up with something slightly different. But, but you know... Sorry, okay. has, the, has the pandemic changed people's views on trust then, do you think? Yeah, I absolutely think it is. Pe- people are looking much more when there's a shock to the system about that there is a question of trust on everything that, that they're dealing with. There's a question of of trust around, um, uh, you know, the systems that we're in, the ecosystems within, within, you know, you look at customers, you look at employees, you look at business partners, everybody's reassessing the things they need to trust. And you get judged then on not just what you say, but what you do. And actually, this is this is the importance of that word integrity. So uh, trust is 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 packaged with different words you know often we hear trust and transparency personally i think that's a bit of a red herring the fact that you are transparent with somebody doesn't necessarily create trust in fact in many ways try that in a negotiation transparency will end up with you losing out at least that's how it can appear actually trust and integrity is a better package because integrity is not necessarily about good person bad person integrity is about are you going to do what you say you're going to do and actually where integrity is lost is when somebody commits or promises and then they don't deliver. That's what integrity is about. So that's why, to Richard's point about snails and motorbikes, it takes time because your, your trust is actually built on a track record of doing what you said you were going to do. So I hope that answers your question. But yeah, of course the pandemic's got to change all this. It has changed it already. And there is now an absolute open game again for everybody to be able to build trust and those who build it well will have competitive advantage. Those who don't will struggle. And and are we seeing a specific industry focus more on trust now than they were previously? I don't think it's industry specific. I think everybody's got, got the, the, what, what is industry specific obviously is what you do and then how trust is built around that. Yeah. If you are, um, you know, if uh, in in the utility industry for years, you know, it, the reason why you know millions, tens, hundreds of millions were spent on billing systems, is because when a customer 
gets a bill that isn't right or doesn't reflect what actual energy they've used, trust in that supplier is bust completely. So the investment in billing systems was well placed and actually in part about building trust with the customer base. Trust in professional services, business services is about the quality of what you receive for the most part. So in what I do and what we do at PwC, whether it's audits or some aspects of advisory work, tax compliance, we have to get it right. If what we do doesn't deliver quality as perceived by our client, then trust is broken and we end we end up losing the client. Richard, um, have you found that trust is more important than ever now that we've gone into lockdown? And- it's probably harder to, to convey. Um, it's harder to, to build in in a period of of lockdown and there are and it's easier in some ways as well to um to kind of destroy or 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 take apart and um you know mark was talking earlier on as well about trust um being about integrity and about being what you do not just what you say you're going to do you know that that can be a little bit harder when you know, every meeting is over a, a hangout or a Zoom, um, and it's harder sometimes to get that, um, you know, that personal touch and 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 to really demonstrate what you're what you're doing when you're face to face with somebody. I think sometimes that kind of personal connection is is really important. Having said that, you know, on the other hand, um, you know, I've heard of organisations who are choosing to monitor their employees during lockdown to kind of you know check up on what they're doing and there's no faster way to break trust in my mind than 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 by doing that kind of activity by monitoring people i suspect in some of those cases it's actually stems from being worried about employee well-being in in this environment right we in the uk we have twenty two and a half thousand people we flipped to remote working overnight um towards the end of march but and, and actually on the in the first sort of couple of months we, we congratulated ourselves on isn't this fantastic right we can keep the business going the fact of the matter is the longer this has gone on and and now exacerbated again by a second lockdown um we worry about our people we, we of course worry about productivity and we're not sure what good productivity really is right now, but but also we worry about the the well being aspects associated with that. So we want to know, we want to help, we want to kind of be there, but that can be perceived as you're checking up on us. You've come into my house now because I'm working from home. You're monitoring in my house, and that can feel like you know that goes to then the feeling of liberties being lost. So it's, it's really a fine line. This actually, how have your clients? adjusted to the fact that they're the people that they were working with from PwC are now based at home how how are how are your colleagues yourself creating that trust well look it's yeah well I mean it's harder to build new relationship virtually um most businesses would tell you that their book of business there's probably attrition in in lots of people's book of business year over year and most markets have have suffered contraction some some very small some up to 30 percent right um and in the context of that contraction though people are are looking for new business all the time Um, most businesses would tell you that the majority of their new business has come from existing customers there is very little new business from new customers 
um, because there's a relationship required. Again, varies industry to industry. There's a there's a relationship required there. I think when you know someone, when you've worked with them a long time, whether it's you know a, a colleague in an organisation that that you you know that, that that you work with, you represent, or indeed a customer you're doing business with, yeah, the, the virtual stuff's been fine. Um, trying to you know establish human connection with somebody you've never met before or barely know that's really really tough um and and you know some i think some organizations have stalled not knowing how to connect with people i saw a survey months ago that that was a, a broad base of employees around the world and something like 22% of them and this was this was around about june 22% of those surveyed had said their line manager had not contacted them at all during lockdown. Now that's pretty. Yeah, you, we all say, "Wow, don't we?" Because you, 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 what you're thinking is, "Well, what the hell are these people doing?" Right? What, what if they're not contacting their employees? But in organisations like ours, PwC, Salesforce, we think, oh, how, "How could that possibly be?" Because we're very touchy, you know, tactile in many ways, people-loving organisations. But not every, not every business in industry, every industry is like that. And this has been a real test. Yeah, I was going to say, Rich, I mean, you run a team, right? So just picking up on what Marco is saying about the, the trust element and the client relationship that you have to build, and, and a lot of it is based on longevity, how, how have your team adjusted? You know, I think it's outstanding how my team have gone about doing that. And that's, that's across a series of people who some are, um, who are well-tenured, you know, 14 years in Salesforce is, is my most tenured uh, guy on the team. Um, but I've also got a guy on the team who's just about four months in, you know, hired hired during lockdown and has come on board and on boarded through lockdown. And and yet both both of those guys and, and, and everybody in between has managed to maintain some really strong relationships, such as the relationship that we've got with with Marco and, and the team at PwC, and built on those and strengthened those and 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 extended those relationships, but also built relationships with new people as well. And um, I, I, you know, I genuinely just find that absolutely incredible that um, that they're they're doing that. I think that comes down to. Um, I think it comes down to some of the values that we have and, and you know, how those values are absolutely essential to what we're doing and the way that we go about things. Um, there's another word which I think is important in, in, in the context of, of trust. And we kind of alluded to it with, with people coming into your house through, through Zooms and, and Hangouts is authenticity. And, you know, if you, you we, we're forced to be authentic right now. There's, there's those times when, you know, the, the kids come into the, the study or the dog's barking or the milkman rings the doorbell or the Amazon guy rings the doorbell. And and we've got to kind of be respectful of that and understand that that's, that's a reality. Um, but if you can embrace that and be empathetic with it, another word that Marco used right at the start, then, um, then you can build out those trusted relationships reasonably quickly. Uh, Marco, do you have any tools uh, that can support you with uh, deepening and managing trust with your teams, um, I guess there's a whole there's a whole system that you build over time, um, and, and organisations that have been around a long time 
sort of tend to benefit from this 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 word culture that we that we use right so so actually you know you you, you one of the things we do of course as consultants is is analyze and in so many ways today and there are big projects that are look at look at culture and and what it's based on and how to shift it it's another thing that that takes a long time to shift culture but but what culture what sits within culture is a bunch of attitudes you can change attitudes quite quickly but but changing the whole culture takes a a long long time and depending on that culture an organization will have a different balance of what what you might call formal processes and informal processes you know at pwc we have a lot of informal processes now that doesn't mean that we don't we're we're, a, we're an out of control organization but it means that that there are there are instinctively ways of doing things that people in our organization just know so we you know and I, and I said you know i know this is the case with salesforce too and your conversation there reflects it there's a teeming culture and that kicks in in times of high stress uh, you know, stress, again, if I take a tangent, it's an interesting thing to study because, of course, there's good stress and bad stress. Actually, you know, pressure is a good thing. Athletes train under pressure for a reason. It increases performance. Um, but actually, when pressure, stress becomes bad is when anxiety creeps in. So when you become anxious about something, that's bad stress. That starts to hit you, you know, from a health perspective and therefore from a performance perspective. Um, and what the biggest antidote to anxiety is team. It's other people. It's how you connect. So we tend to look for each other in our organization, you know, day to day. Um, I, you know, we always have saying, you know, look out for the person that can help you because they're looking for you too, right? Um, so we very naturally look for each other and team. And therefore, uh, you know, I would say that's the biggest element. It's an informal element, but, but very reliable. You know, just because I use the word informal, don't think it's really, it's, it's unreliable, it's patchy. It's ingrained in the culture. Um, now, so organizations that don't have that, and you'll all be able to think of a few people you do business with, they've struggled a bit because that hasn't been a natural part of the way they work. They're not as internally networked. And they've probably been more vulnerable or found that the attrition they've suffered through this shock has been more than than others. Richard, can you suggest any tools as well to support that? The tool is culture. The tool is culture. And without that, then you can't guide, you can't inform, and you can't share that direction that you're going with with your in your existing employees, those who are remote, those who are not remote and particularly with those that, that are being onboarded. So the tool is culture. Are we saying then, or implying that companies that don't have culture probably won't exist going forward? Hmm. Well, <laughs> well, I, I, well, I don't think anybody, I don't think there's any organisation that doesn't have culture. The question is, what, what is that culture? Yeah. There are collaborating cultures and there are competing cultures. And, you know, so certain industries... Have really suffered, haven't they, over the, over the years? You know, we could hypothesise about aspects of financial services years ago and what might have been the culture in there that led to complete disaster. You know, I always remember reading about, you know, the cash and cabbages Friday public presentations for traders. You know, and if you'd had a good week, you were publicly given cash and clapped, and if you'd had a bad week, you were publicly given a cabbage. Right? I mean, 
you know, think about think about that and, and what what culture that can breed over time. And then you can say, well, it, it might it might well uh, it might well correlate with what we saw in that industry down the line. Um, so look, everybody has a culture. The question is, is it the right one? And and actually, that's why companies look to change culture in a new set of circumstances, as they say somewhere the the leadership are saying, look, we haven't got the right culture. We need to shift it. Can be too late, as we've said, sort of as, as a theme. Um, you know, it it it, it um, you know it it, it it takes a long time. By the way, I think you can have a collaborative culture, but also you can be competitive within that. You know, I think every sales organization likes to have a dashboard and likes to have the winner and likes to have the people who are trying to get to be the winners. And um, I think, you know, that point around pressure on athletes and training under pressure in order to perform is is absolutely spot on so you can you can have that good pressure and you can have that um that good competitive spirit within an organization that is also recognizing that um you know typically you win as a team um so i think um i i, I think i think i'm not going to predict if if organizations are going to fail by having the what sort of culture they need but i, I do think that that collaborative those collaborative cultures are going to help organizations get through because it's not just collaborative internally and this is really crucial it's collaborative with your customers as well and it's making sure that you're working together and building trust with your customers so that you can deliver for your customers and the, and the collaboration goes beyond just internal it, it you know overused phrases stakeholders but it, you know, making sure that you're collaborating with all your stakeholders towards a successful outcome is is crucial. We know Salesforce and PwC have a very strong relationship, and, and Sarah's going to come back to that one in a second. But I just want to come back to the point that Marco raised uh, a few moments ago around capability, and that we use the term trusted advisor quite a lot um, at Salesforce. Marco, how do we, how do you maintain that capability in today's environment and remain? And, ret- and retain that advisory status that organizations believe in you, therefore believe by default, then believe in the organization itself. Well, this, uh, this is what, yeah, I mean, this is where, what becomes absolutely critical to this. Uh, and again, it's, it's, it, it, it can be reflected in a, in a culture. We'll come back to that word collaboration as well. Um, you, you need to, first of all, really know whether you're relevant or not. You know this idea of understanding your customers' needs and empathy is is often said more than it's practiced. Right, so um, you know you, you have to make sure that what you are. I mean, you could be very good at something, but it'd be completely irrelevant to 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 what your customers really ask you for. The worst the worst moments I have is when I go and see clients in the in the role I have as head of of the business of, of, of head of clients and markets for PwC is when a, a client tells me you guys just didn't listen enough you know i was saying one thing you and you looked like you were listening but you weren't hearing me and you didn't actually put a solution on the table which was what i wanted um happens very rarely but it does happen um enough for you to say right there's something more we need to think about here there's something we've got why, why does you know albeit now and again only now and again why does that happen the value in somebody seeing you as highly competent, uh, again, you can tell I'm a, I'm an accountant. I love my stats. 
Uh, I remember reading a statistic that said somebody who is seen as competent, thought leader, all of the things that go with competency and what they do is five times more likely to close business. Uh, Richard, um, so we touched on that Salesforce and PwC work very closely together. We've partnered together. We've also won deals together. What is that special bond? What is that bond and connection between the two companies that lead to winning businesses? Um, yeah, I th- well, I think there's there's lots of things. I think, you know, if, as we've gone through this conversation, um, there's been a lot of common themes across the organisations. And I think that that is a critical part of it. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a mutual trust, but there's also sort of mutual values, I think, that, um, that we have between us. And that helps us build a, a, a really strong bond. I think throughout every aspect of, of the relationship that uh, Salesforce and PwC have together, you know, it's a 360 degree view. You know, we're looking at every aspect of how we work together um, as partners, as customers of each other. And we, we constantly look through those lenses and um, we're interested in each other's businesses. We want to understand. We want to listen and we want to hear and we want to, um, and we want to, to, to work together effectively. And I think also, I think we're also happy challenging each other as well. Ah, this is key. Yeah, this is key. And I think that is, that's a critical part of being a trusted advisor. Um, that, you know, you have the trust to be able to call out, you know, not call out when somebody's doing something wrong, but give advice and challenge and, um, and, and help each other through, you know, a different perspective as well. And this, and this, I'm going to pick, pick up something you said earlier, Richard, which I completely agree with about, you know, being collaborative and having a sense of competition, healthy competition inside. I absolutely agree with that because, again, what, what, what the word collaboration is is used a lot, but again, it's it's an often misused term, or people misunderstand what collaboration is really about. Actually, collaboration done really well can feel quite thorny at times. You know, as someone once said to me, you know, if Richard has a way and Marco has a way, collaboration is about squeezing out the third way. And, and you know, because it's not about compromise. Often collaboration is, is defaulted in some people's mind to, to be like there's a compromise, there's, there's happiness, there's, there's, there's uh, you know, a sense of absolute serenity because everyone just agrees. Collaboration is not about that and therefore... Trust becomes important in collaboration because there will be difficult moments in that squeezing out of the third way that if you haven't built enough trust, it can fall apart. Let's just summarise, um, Mark, I think Richard we've and Sarah, we've all agreed that trust is reliant on a, a number of key capabilities, competencies, competencies, character, integrity, empathy, but just you know, good old strong collaboration, guys. Is that, is that what we're saying? Be open, honest, push your clients to make the right choices. Uh, yes, um, and um, um, and work at it, work at it hard, and keep it fundamental to what you're doing. And you know the other thing, trust. Trust is about people, <laughs> and people are oh, right yeah, at the heart yeah. of this. Right at the heart of this. So this is about personal connections. 
yeah, I look, I agree with that. Um, yeah, because good leaders create followership, followership, and um, you know that 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 makes a massive difference, doesn't it? Uh, so it is about people. I agree with with Rich, and and the thing about the thing about people is, you know, there must not be. And and again, what I love about our relationship between PwC and Salesforce is, there mustn't ever feel there mustn't ever be a sense of too much self interest on one side or the other. You know, again, it, it relates to it relates to collaboration. You've got to be be fundamentally trying to to solve something together. Um, and if there is too much self interest or a sense of self interest, again, you know, it's, it becomes problematic. Brilliant message to end on. So, thank you very much, Marco and Richard, for joining us today. Thank you as well. Been great. Yeah, thank you. Really enjoyed that. Thank you, sir. Join us next week to discover how some businesses are focusing more and more on the customer. Customer centricity and the challenges around developing a strategy will be at the heart of our discussion. We'll be joined by Giles Sams, Delivery Director of CloudShift, and Danny Owen, Enterprise Architect from NCC Group, to give us their views on customer centricity within business services. I'm Corvin Dahari. And I'm Sarah Paul. This is Blazing Business Trails. A business services podcast brought to you by Salesforce.